is the News Talk 93.1 River Region Business Spotlight. A chance for you to get to know our area businesses and business leaders. Oh, welcome to it, folks. The Joey Clark Radio Hour. Well, it has begun, but the full show will begin soon with a very special guest. But first, we have to do... I want to do a business spotlight. I've been wanting this gentleman in studio for quite some time. I've been talking about him for months now. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. How you doing, Joey? I'm doing great, Eddie. You hearing yourself all right in the phones? Okay, good. good. Yeah, see, you know me. It's like six o'clock. We're letting our hair down. I'm not literally letting my hair down right now, but relax, turn down the lights a little bit. I really, during this business break and spotlight, wanted to spotlight kind of your story and how you got into the real estate business and then became an agent. So what made you first think of getting into real estate? Uh, well, my son and I both work at uh, well, worked at a manufacturing plant here in town that uh, manufactures cars, working three shifts, God knows how many hours a week. And uh, right. we both decided, hey, you know, there's got to be something a little bit better in life to do to make a little extra money. Our 401ks were not doing anything. So uh, we took a little money out of our 401k, bought a couple rental houses and to see what would happen. And one thing led to another, and we ended up with about 10 rental houses. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I told everyone at work, and uh, without even thinking, I said, hey, when I get to my 10th rental, I'm leaving. You know, and and really had forgotten what all I said about that. And one day, uh, a friend of mine came up, and they said, hey, you, you bought your 10th house today, didn't you? I was like, yeah, yeah, sure did. So, so when you're leaving? And I looked at him like, what do you mean? He said, well, you've said for the last <laughs> 10 years, man, when you get number 10, you're out of here. I thought, oh crap, yeah. So uh, I came up with a plan pretty quickly and uh, and decided to do it full time as far as my rentals. And, and my plan was to continue to buy more rentals, you know, to be uh, what my mom calls me, Donald Slump. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to buy, you know, half of Montgomery and rent it out. Awesome. But then out of that, you realized, I mean, purchasing 10 homes, you learn how that works, obviously. So I'd imagine you were like, hmm, I should probably become an agent. And that's when you you went through Bo Goodson's real estate school, right? Yeah, I went to Bo Goodson school originally because I said, okay, if I'm going to be this this massive uh, Donald slumlord here in Montgomery, (laughs) I'm going to uh, need to learn how to buy houses at a better price. You know, what I was doing was just like anybody else. I'd see a price, uh, do a little bit of investigating on a house, but for the most part, I really didn't know. Thought I did, but I really didn't know. So uh, afterwards, I took Bo's class, and uh, about three-quarters of the way through class, Bo and I were talking one day, and he said, well, Eddie, you ought to just come work for me. And I thought, man, that's ludicrous. I'm retired. I'm not about (laughs) to come back to work. And I thought about it, and I really like real estate. I really enjoy showing houses. I really enjoy being a part of people's life. That really is a better thing, whether they're going from renting to a purchase or or upgrading from one house to another. It's great to be part of that process. Well, and I love that it changed your life, that the real estate market changed your life. Definitely. And you've really opened my eyes because I really want to be a first-time home buyer. And I I realized I'd got to get the credit in order. I've I've learned that never having any debt in your life is almost as bad as not have as having bad credit. So yeah, thin thin credit is a uh, is a little bit of a holdback. There's ways there's ways to work through it, but it it does take time, just like anything else. It takes time. So I'm working on uh, my credit. I'm working. I want a little bit more of a savings. But you opened my eyes to all the options out there in the market. Like how downtown Montgomery's developing. Downtown's hot. And all the money coming in from like uh, the Koreans and just the city's done beautiful work down there too. And there's some gyms down there. 
Uh, downtown Wetumpka, though, too. Downtown Wetumpka's got some great properties. You know, we had that casino, uh, which just a few years ago we didn't have anything. So that casino has certainly brought uh, more jobs up to Wetumpka and brought a lot more light on the Wetumpka area. Wetumpka's beautiful. It, it is. just needs to be developed. We just need a developer. Well, and I you know, would occasionally, when I would start to daydream, I'd go online and you'd look at homes for sale. It is not the same thing as when you took me on a tour. Oh, it's a big difference. <laughs> oh, a huge difference because you actually, I mean, you get the touch and feel the home, but you also get the size and scope. I have not yet found an internet presentation that really does justice to being able to walk through a home for good or for better or for worse. Sometimes a home looks great online and then you're like, oh no. Oh yeah. Fleas. Very true. Uh, <laughs> Bo, Bo Goodson tells us a story often of how uh, he was out looking at houses one day and, and had somebody, you know, wanted to look at a house. So they're looking at it and they're bringing up the pictures that they saw on the internet of this house. And they asked Bo, hey, this house that you have us at is nice, but we want to see the one in the picture. So Bo looked at the picture. He said, well, believe it or not, this is the one. It's just a little bit of creative filters and things like that have been on there. Oh, they Instagram filtered it. Yes, yes. They do and it that for does happen a lot. women to get rid of the cellulite on Instagram. I've been learning about Instagram <laughs> models. And uh, so they do it to homes, too. They do it to homes. You can wow. hide a lot of imperfections and things like that. Or the picture can be taken in the winter, and mm. now it's eight months later, and you're like, well, it doesn't look the same, you know. Um, right. You, you kind of got to watch out for things like that. Well, and this is why folks need to give you a call. 322-0662. Yep, that's my personal sale number. You call me, I answer, and we get to work on getting you a house. Well, and you're... You know what? Do you want to hang out? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd because love to. Uh, I think you should hang up for the rest of the show. I was about to say you're a down-to-earth guy. You're a great guy. Fun Thank to talk you. to. Thank Go you. Go grab a slice of pizza and a beer with. I'm ready for some pizza. And so we'll just you know hang out for the rest of the show. You know how my show works. Oh, yeah. I'll just do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. And, folks, again, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. 322-0662. That number again. 322-0662. We'll be right back. Hold on to your butt. I'm quite surprised that... A story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Uh, welcome back, folks. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Sure, uh, check me out. Check me out. Try it out on Facebook, on the Book of Faces. Just search the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I do have a show. You're listening to it right now. So I put posts there. You can always catch the podcast if you don't listen to the whole show. Just don't have time. I know you got things to do. Also, follow me on Instagram. You can see me doing my yoga poses. (laughs) And hanging out for the rest of the night will be Eddie Bader. And Eddie, this is like, I love to play this game with the audience. And I'll do it, especially when I'm playing the music for Dan's show. Yeah. Uh, I'll play something live. And it's really cool guitar work going on here. Oh, yeah. Like, And somebody will call up and go, who is that? that i'll say it's it's prince and uh, really don't believe you either and no hard time believing you but, but it, he was a very talented man no i'm trying to branch out 
I mean, I've gone everywhere from, you know, Kiss to... Yeah, you had Kiss a couple weeks ago. Oh. You had me breaking out my Kiss albums. But apparently that was the album that diehard Kiss fans can't stand. Correct. Too Dynasty. Commercial. Yeah, too commercial. too commercial. Yeah, man. I love it, though. And it's still... Still got a good solo or two. It's sure. still Kiss singing about women and drinking and, you know, yeah. partying it up. But that was, that was their that. sellout album. Yeah, well, you've been encouraging me to travel. Oh, yes. You have really cut your teeth on that. Where are some of the places you've been? In- uh, uh, well, we, we were brought up as military brats, so we started here in Montgomery. And um, my father was in the Air Force. Uh, so he's taken us to Turkey. Uh, we lived there for about three years. Uh, we went to Alaska for, I think it was a three-year tour, but I ended up staying after I graduated from high school. Uh, fell in baby's mama type action, so <laughs> stayed there for a little while for that. And um, uh, we traveled all around. Jamaica, as you know, is one of my favorite places to go. It's so cheap to go to Jamaica. Uh, and my wife and I go, we try to go at least once a year. At one point, we were going two and three times a year because it's so cheap, man. Wow. We, we stay at a four-star resort uh, on the beach and all-inclusive, and I mean all-inclusive. You leave your wallet in the room, literally wow. in the safe. So, uh, like, food and drink? All your food, and... all your drinks, all your alcohol. If you're going to do any extracurricular activities like scuba dive or anything like that, it'll cost you a couple bucks, but... Um, you know, I've got a good friend that was just here this weekend, my buddy Marvin yeah. uh, from Jamaica. He came to see me, and, uh, you know, I met him in Jamaica years ago, uh, and he's just a super great guy. So if anybody's ever wanting to go to Jamaica, uh, give me a call. I'll tell you all about Jamaica. It's my <laughs> favorite place in the world to go. My wife and I can go. We can stay seven days, all-inclusive, airfare and all from Atlanta for less than $2,500. Wow. Total. Wow. That's not per person. That is Total. Total. Wow. And your hotel is, or your resort, really, is just right on the water. No, and I just heard an interview with uh, Peter Schiff. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he was talking about how he relocated his business. He's now living in Puerto Rico. That I would, wouldn't doubt. That's nice, too. Because apparently they got rid of capital gains taxes yep. in Puerto Rico. You don't have to pay uh, federal taxes Correct. because it's a territory, not an official state. And actually being a territory is more to their advantage. And, well, unfortunately for Peter, after he moved his business there, I think uh, one of the hurricanes came. came. Yeah, Yeah, and it just destroyed a lot. He did all right. He had a backup generator. And he said it's amazing for people relocating down there. He said he had three young guys that, you know, were working for him in, like, Los Angeles and went down to Puerto Rico, relocated with them to keep working for them. And now they're these three single young guys with money and a job and... All the beautiful Puerto Rican women want to hang out, and in Puerto Rico, what you know, there's nothing ugly about Puerto Rico. It's a beautiful island. It's got beautiful people. Yeah, exactly. And to be young and have money and hanging out over there, uh, that's that's a dream come true. Yeah, I get fooled by looks, though. It's a trick that men fall for. Oh, sure. It's a trick. It's like when I first saw Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. (laughs) I was like, and I saw her ad, her campaign ad. I have to say, whoever made that ad is damn good. They knew what they were doing, Joey. Yeah, and they were telling a great populist grassroots story that she's from the neighborhood all right. and all these things. And, like, she's young. She's younger than I am, which I don't often see in politics. And she's, I think, beautiful. Very good looking. And so I'm, like, caught up. And then I hear her speak. And I'm not knocking her speaking style or her ability to, you know, speak the kings, but... Medicare for all? 
Really? No, I don't. I don't want Medicare. I, I don't. I don't want any of these programs. To be honest, I was right. kind of born into them. And exactly right. I want the choice of I can go where I want to go and get the service that I want to get. It's going to exactly. cost me, but I'm fine with that. That's that's why I have insurance. Well, and it's amazing to me that we couldn't have, say, some form of insurance or safety net for people as they get older and. And it has to not be run by the government. I I'd imagine you could have private solutions to that much easier than, say, like national defense or other things. Oh, I agree with you. I think and it would be so much more efficient, so much more cheaper. You know, once the government gets their hand on anything, the price triples, to say the least. Now, I was telling you um, off mic when we took that quick break that I had a, uh, I had a dream. Yes. This morning. It was like 530 when I woke up. And I actually remember this dream. And I'm going to describe every nook and cranny of the dream. Probably a good thing. Uh, but I'm essentially in a, a small club on stage being a stand-up. Because the dirty little secret folks as talk radio hosts really want to be stand-up comedians. Yeah, I can tell. And I'm, I say my first joke, and it kills. Big pop and laughter. And I'm waiting for the laughter to kind of subside, waiting for my moment to come in for the kill next. And somebody stands up in the back and doesn't heckle me, but interrupts me and starts to give me notes. Like, hey, 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 I'm in the middle of a show. And I woke up. And I was angry. Like, even after I woke up and realized this was a dream, I was still angry. Somebody broke your groove, man. You had a yeah. groove going. And I'm, I've been kind of angry and edgy all day. Now, so, do you want to say who, who interrupted nah, your dream? No, nah, I don't think so. Uh, it's just, you know, the subconscious wants what it wants. Right. I think I've told you about the graduate dream. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, and folks who don't know, I've told the story before on air, but it's that classic scene from The Graduate where Mrs. Robinson walks over to the bar across this you know, ornate, gorgeous penthouse, goes over to the bar, lifts up her leg, and Dustin Hoffman says, Mrs. Robinson, are you trying to seduce me? But it, in the dream, and I had this dream several nights in a row, it wasn't just a one-off. It wasn't just a one-night stand. It was, no. Instead of Mrs. Robinson, are you trying to seduce me? It was Mrs. Obama, are you trying to seduce me? <laughs> so, and I woke up and went, what in the world? Maybe I'm just attracted to powerful women. That could be. And uh, I, Although she's not unattractive by no means, Joey. Right. She's a very attractive woman. Right, and I don't know. I just, I realized right then and there, like, the subconscious wants what it wants. Sure. Like, you can't. And you can't figure it out. You can't feel guilty for a dream. No. No, you're having constant, like, dreams of massacres and blood and guts and gore. Maybe go talk to somebody exactly. about it. But now, we were talking earlier, what about when um, your wife wakes up and she had a dream <laughs> and you were doing something wrong in your dream, so she wakes up mad at you and, and you're just supposed to accept that. <laughs> you can't tell her, honey, you know, you're crazy, that was a dream. <laughs> You just have to accept that, and your next day or two is going to be you're in the doghouse over nothing you've done. Well, see, I'm not married. No, no I've had a, I've had girlfriends though who start like they they come at me with this too, this attitude, and I'm like, and I've grown up where initially I would answer that harshly. Yeah, and if I'm edgy like I am today, I might answer that harshly. But I, as I grew up, I started to realize, oh, they're not yelling at me. They're yelling at an ex that they have trust issues with. And Very they think, so. I'm just like that ex or that other person in their life because that's what they know and grew up with. So I, But you can't say that to them. 
You can't you say not. you're fighting with a ghost. No, you just have to kind of hear it out and let it happen. It's I had the same experience with my dad. Like half the time, I'll make a point that's from sort of a libertarian point of view, and I've got I've gotten this as a libertarian from I've had Republicans assume I'm a Democrat, yeah. conservatives assume I'm a left winger. I've had left wingers assume I'm a Republican conservative. Like no, I'm. I want you to be able to guard your pot fields with your guns and be gay married. Like, yeah. I'm a libertarian. It doesn't. What you do, as long as it doesn't bother me and doesn't cause harm to anyone, yeah. go do what you want to do. I have no issue with that whatsoever. That's my rule. And you know, I might if you're my friend, if you come to me for advice, I'll give you an answer sure. on what I think's right for your life if you really want to hear it. But as far as the government and laws are concerned. I don't uh -uh. want to force you to do anything. Not really. I'm not down with OPP if it's other people's property. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not down with OPP if it's other people's... Oh, I can't say that. Not today. You gotta... You gotta respect other people. And I think we've lost that basic uh, sense of respect in this country. I agree with you on that. Uh, just driving in the traffic, you can see that your fellow man has no respect for you whatsoever. Yeah. And I don't ever know if it's because you can kind of hide in your car, because if when you see people one-on-one, -on -one, they, they react completely different than they did five seconds ago in the parking lot where they tried to run you over. Right. But you see them in the store, well, hey, how are you doing there, as nice as they can be. I think it's like a primordial, instinctual thing. Yeah. Like when you're driving a car... It, you Your mind is in the mode, especially if somebody pulls out in front of you or you didn't notice them, even if you're the one at fault. You're reacting in a way of like, I'm, you might not know it, but it's like, I'm riding the steel beast. <laughs> and it could kill me if I crash. I could kill somebody else. So you react in like a very visceral way. Yes. And I think you, you don't have the same courtesy as you would have. It's almost like like if a car pulls out in front of you, you react to that like a lion's charging you or bear's charging Exactly you. right. And it doesn't, I mean, at the end of the day, what did that car pull out in front of you really do? But at the mm. time, it can take you from zero to a thousand. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, um, what's, do you have, well, I don't know if some of your go-tos, if when you have a rage, can be repeated on air. Um, well, you know. <laughs> I'll give you my example. And it's not, it, there's no curse word in it. I mean, I, I do curse. I don't curse on air. I might say damn. I might say ass. You're allowed to get away with those. But I can't use the real ones, you right. know, that mm -hmm. really let out that emotion. The one you use when you have road rage. Exactly. But I do have one phrase I use, especially if I'm behind somebody and there's kind of, it's like, say, 45 mile an hour speed limit and they're going 30. Oh, that drives me crazy. Yeah. What I, I usually say is... Drive your car! Drive! Come on! Drive your car! You try to encourage them? Yeah. Like, <laughs> go! Damn. I usually holler, you know, either learn to drive it or park it. And, <laughs> you know, and, and you come by people, and most of the time, and I'm as guilty as anybody else, but most of the time they got their phone in their hand, and there'll be 100 yards between them and the car in front of them. But they're so worried about that phone call that they're holding back two miles worth of traffic behind them. It, it drives me absolutely insane. Not everybody can multitask. No, no. Well, and I, I have noticed that, like the people on their phone. But this is where we get the more laws that come in. It's like, why don't we just have laws against reckless driving? Yeah. Like, I don't care if the reason was you had your phone in your hand and you weren't paying attention, or you that hamburger fell on the you know the floorboard, or you're intoxicated. Whatever the reason, 
It's reckless. It's reckless, and you should be charged. Now, I guess DUI is one thing because it is so dangerous and mm-hmm. deadly. I'll admit I've done that, and I was not happy the next day. Like, I was mad at myself. Yeah. Like, Joey, you're an idiot. I think when we're younger, we do make some mistakes like that, and not everybody gets caught. And just because you get caught doesn't mean you're going to change your ways. No more than not getting caught means you won't change your ways either, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I think that all comes with maturity. I I remember a time or two where I probably shouldn't have drove. I did make it home, and then the next day, yeah, I felt like crap. I felt guilty. Uh, You know, what if something did happen? I would have ruined my life, my family's life, everyone around me's life. Um, oh, and we're, and we're, but we're so unique. We're so wrong. Like, nobody here in Montgomery <laughs> ever does that. Right. We're nobody only, ever we're has a few drinks. Guys. Yeah. Well, no, and it's even people that are just so-called buzzed or gently Buzz stewed. Right. I love one of my favorite authors, H.O. Minkin, called it gently stewed. In fact, he said that uh, what we should do, he proposed to save Christendom. This is in the 1920s. To save Christendom in the Christian spirit of charity, everybody once a week must get gently stewed. I don't Which, think that's the worst idea. And he said the reason was, it's like when you're gently stewed, you don't want to go fight a war. You don't want to, you know, run a company or administer some bureaucracy. What you want to do is have a good laugh with your buddies, maybe throw a dinner party. Just chill out. You know, maybe, you know, have some fun with the opposite sex. Or if, you know, if you're homosexual, you can... I always feel weird saying that word. Yeah. If you're gay, you you know, you're the same sex. Uh, it's just so well, it clinical. No matter what, it, you're worried about offending. and uh, Yeah, well, it's going to sound offensive if you it, say no whatever what, word. Exactly. I mean, but it, that I think that word just sounds so uh, clinical. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the right. words. Um, I don't know what the hip cool word is. No, I, I don't know. That's acceptable. Either. So I no, <laughs> no, happy, happy to be happy. Go ahead. But but one thing that drives me nuts about driving, talking about driving. Yeah, here in Alabama, and I know it's everywhere, but I see it so much in Alabama because I'm on the road so much that people get in the passing lane mm-hmm. and they don't even do the speed limit. Oh. Yes. If you're that person now, would you please get out of the passing lane? If you've got a half a mile of cars behind you, could you just get on over to the right lane? I'm, one of them is probably my wife, and she's probably yelling at you because you're holding her up. <laughs> but it, it drives me crazy because we don't do anything about it. If you are on your phone, if you run a red light, you know, a cop will pull you over. Well, it's a law that you're not supposed to just happily drive down the passing lane. What is wrong with the policeman getting behind them, giving them the lights? You don't have to pull them over. You don't have to give them a ticket. But kind of let them know, hey, we're not going to do that anymore. Speed up. Right. Pass the person to your right. Get in the right lane if you want to drive. It's not that hard. But again, right. people are so inconsiderate, and I've seen it where people will be in the passing lane, and you know, you go by them, and everybody gives them the dirty look. They give you the dirty look back. Mm-hmm. But most of them will stay in that left lane as if they're to say, forget everybody else. I'm more important. And that drives me insane. It is nuts. And, uh, man, you're making me think about it. I have a big drive. Five hours? More four and a half. Depending on how fast I go. Uh, August 10th, going down to New Orleans. Oh, New Orleans. For a oh, bachelor yes. party. So I'm doing some traveling in country. New you, Orleans in August something. Did you find your dress yet? I haven't found my red dress yet. <laughs> yes, uh, he remembers. I'm doing the that bachelor party weekend where he made it work on the event of the red dress charity run we're not doing the run we're just, just the hey, dress we're just the dress we so. don't do it for the exercise we do it for the alcohol and the dress and the fashion yeah <laughs> yeah and uh then at the end of the month i'm going up to dc oh dc flying they do direct flights shout out yep. to montgomery regional they do direct flights now on occasion and it was cheap how long are you gonna stay in dc uh until i come back labor day monday morning 
Uh, so it'll be, you know, I'll get there Friday morning because it's, again, a two-and-a-half-hour yep. flight. And uh, hang out with my good buddy. He used to be a roommate of mine. And we're going to have a lot of fun. Good deal. And, you know, I, I enjoy that type of travel, especially, like, when the reason is we're going to go live it up. It's a bachelor party. Oh, yeah, yeah. Weekend. No business, no nothing. It's just hang loose, have a good time. Well, and these are both friends that I can pick up with, even though we haven't talked to one another in months. Mm-hmm. And we can pick up, like, we just see, see oh, each yeah. other yesterday. And, and I love that type of friendship. But then there's a part of me that really wants to do, like, these true sabbatical. Like, what was it when uh, Jerry Brown, like, lost this Democratic primary to, and Gore Vidal said in one of the debates, he, Gore Vidal was also running for Senate at that time, yeah. that Jerry should go on, like, a sabbatical to India and have a vision quest and meet some gurus and become more spiritually aware. That's exactly what Jerry Brown did. <laughs> and I don't know if I wanted to go, you know, meet a Hindu guru or a Buddhist monk, but... Uh, I love the idea of throwing myself into a foreign place, not to be, not to relax and live it up. That sounds amazing, too. Just said, my roommate Andrew just went to Belize. Yeah, that sounds incredible. And they saw, like, Mayan ruins. All that stuff's incredible. I enjoy cruises as well, depending on the cruise, on the Disney cruise after I graduated <laughs> from college. After a week of everywhere you go on the boat. It's a small world after all. Under the sea. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. And stop it with the Disney show tunes. That would drive me insane, Joey. It was driving me nuts. I didn't like that cruise for and, that. And you never managed to jump off the boat halfway through? No, I I still, I'm not that suicidal. <laughs> and, uh, and so I do like the idea of going to a place that's completely foreign and just living there the oh, yeah. best I could for as long as I could. That, that is a good idea. <clears throat> I will say, you know, we were military family, so we started here in Montgomery. And I've got some friends that never left Montgomery. You know, they've been here their whole life. And they've gone to Florida and places like that. But they, people like that, I, I kind of, I like the idea that, hey, you know, you got to spend your whole life here. But at the same time, they miss out on so many experiences in life just by experiencing another culture. You know, and uh, you know, yeah. and a lot of people, they they know where the United States is, and they feel like the United States is the world. But if you go outside the United States, then you realize, hey, the United States is just part of this world. Exactly. You know, and that's a, that's a big difference, and it gives you a whole completely different outlook. Oh yeah, well, and Americans are notorious for being bad with the geography. You know, and I admit to some ignorance with parts of the world. But, you know, like the poll that came out that Americans were in favor of bombing the city that doesn't exist, that's from Aladdin. Oh, my God. Somebody asked them, would you be, are you in support of military action in this place against Jafar? He's going to use the genie for bad purposes. And a majority of Americans said, yeah, bomb Yeah, yeah. And that is funny. That That's our reaction to a lot of things is if they don't like us, blow them up. They'll yeah. like us. They like us then. Well, and it's a it's a complex that's uh, I think stayed true. And I'm not saying it just be down on America because I love this nation and its ideals. I don't think we're living up to them that great these days. We and got I, some work we could do. And that's, that's not sure. a knock against Trump or the Dem- that's a knock against everybody. Every one of us. Yeah. Every one of us, myself included. But uh, there's a writer named Garrett Garrett um, who wrote about America's. This had to be in the 30s or the 40s. He wrote about America's complex of fear and vaunting. So, on the one hand, the the vaunting. 
mm-hmm. stake the ladder is we're the greatest nation in the world. God bless America. Yeah. Red, white, and blue. And at the same time, we're like, we're number one. We're the best. We're number one. We are the best. Then the fear kicks in. Oh, my God. Something's a little different and threatening. Kill them. <laughs> and actually, I don't think that's unique to Americans. I think a lot of successful expansion oh, yeah. uh, nations throughout history have been that way. If it's like, not their way, it's the highway. And I think America's fairly unique in the world in the, the sense that like the founders talked about an empire for liberty. Mm-hmm. Like George Washington thought I was part of an infant empire or Jefferson talked about the empire for liberty. And in a way we do control the world now. Yeah, We're reluctant. The United States is the great social experiment, right? Indeed. Yeah. Like, very young, too, as a nation. And very I, young. I think when you go see more ancient places and you get that perspective of thousands of years ago. Yep. Like, wow. And that's something, <clears throat> again, when we, we moved to Turkey, of all places, you know, we went from Montgomery, Alabama to Izmir, Turkey. And there are many uh, wonders of the world there. And so our parents would take us things like Ephesus. Well, I was 10, 11 years old. You know, this was a boring trip that my parents were making me go on. Now, of course, looking back now, holy cow, we were at at places that were thousands of years old. Uh, These Roman roads that were paved with marble were still there. Yeah. And in Alabama, we can't get a road to stay two weeks without getting a pothole. (laughs) But (laughs) that's Alabama for you. Oh, that's Alabama for you. You see, and when you say something like that, the appropriate response, even as an Auburn grad, is not War Eagle. When you talk about how crappy Alabama's roads are, you got to give it a roll tide. Give it a roll tide. Now, on all due credit to Alabama fans out there, when a chick is really hot, give it a roll tide as well. But I think I can also give that chick over there is really hot a War Eagle as well. War Eagle. And uh, I think it works. It works either way. But uh, we got to hit a break here. All right. And, um,. If you heard the ads for ASF? No, I have not. They're doing Menopause the Musical? Now, yes, I guess I did hear that. It video. reminded me of, of one of my unsuccessful ventures. Really? I'll, I'll tell you and the folks about it when we come back. Okay. Yeah. Joey Clark. Joey Clark. this song I'm, 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 it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure like I don't really love admitting that I love this song I really like this song um, being a guy from the 80s uh, and you know when Wham first started I hated admitting that I loved it but yeah, well, it reminds me fan. it reminds me of a of a relationship with a lady friend of oh. mine so well, good times good yeah. times but I uh, I teased you in the audience as we were hitting the break that, uh, you know, all power to them. The Alabama Shakespeare Festival, they've been running some ads, is doing Menopause, the musical. Yes. Now, I looked it up. It's um, came out in 01, 2001, yeah. and it's kind of, they do little riffs on all sorts of popular songs, like, and, you know, the one song they're using in the ad is, I'm having a hot flash. Yeah. I actually tried to write a musical once. Really? Yeah, but it was more, like, for men. Men centric. It was yeah. called Ed. I got you. I can't uh, get it up. 
<laughs> it didn't go over well. Yeah. It didn't go over well. People are like, nobody wants to hear about that. But yo, but people want to hear about menopause. What about what men go through? Women can laugh at that. Men, we have to pull each other to the side and laugh about it. it, it, it <laughs> You know, it, it's kind of like uh, when you turn 40 plus, you got to start going to the doctor and getting a, a man has to get the physical, oh, yeah. very uncomfortable physical. Oh, well, the first yeah. couple of years, you you don't, you pretend it didn't happen. You run home, you take a shower, you watch a football game, you feel better. Well, and I think there are guys like this happened to me in my 20s where it wasn't like a physical problem necessarily. Yeah. But it's like, oh, this person broke my heart. <laughs> and I thought I would love getting back together. But no. My my head and other parts of me were like, yeah, it's all back together. It. But then my other part, my heart was like, no, Joey, we're not going to let you work tonight. Yeah, You're not working. Well, sometimes I'll put you right back through the ringer because they, uh, they saw how easy you fell for it the first time. <laughs> right. And it's just, yeah, that musical didn't go over well. Well, I can't really carry a tune. Yeah? So, you know, I oh, can kind of. Yeah, I hear you sometimes. It's not too bad. Yeah, but, I mean, I really would want to be, and it's so out of style. But I love, like, the 80s, like, metal band. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah, me too, yeah. What do you mean? Like, what, well, what are some of your favorites? Well, growing up, of course, uh, when Metallica... I lived in Alaska then, so uh, oh. we were always a few months behind the rest of the world. But I remember when Metallica came out, I loved Metallica. Uh, so good. Slayer was one of my favorites. Mega, okay. Megadeth was a great band. Heavy stuff. I yeah. like it. Well, uh, up there, I, you know, I went from here... Uh, Alabama to up there, and, and again, culture shock. Uh, the world is a lot different up there than here. How we, I've never been to Alaska. Is it's, it? It's a beautiful. I would say, out of all the places I've ever been, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. It, but it's changing incredibly mm, rapidly. Oh, really? Not just uh, there are some changes. Uh, you know, like there. And for example, there's a glacier that we used to go to. It's called Portage Glacier. It's about 45 minutes outside of Anchorage. When we first went there, when we moved there, I think 86, 87. You could you could actually see the glacier from the uh, from the little visiting center. Now you got to walk about a mile and a half back to see the glacier. Mm. And so my family, uh, I took my son and my wife. We went there for vacation, and, and my son's wife a few years back. And I was telling them how great this is going to be. You can just look right out and see the glacier. And we pulled up. Well, the the lake is still there, and there are big, huge chunks of ice floating in it. But the glacier is like, it's like I say, about a mile and a half back. Wow. And that, that really made me wake up to, hey, maybe there's something on with this global warming. I, yeah, maybe. I, I can't really buy into every aspect of it, but it was hard to deny, hey, 20-something years ago, there was a huge chunk of ice here. Right, and, and it's uh, no longer. Yeah, it's a mile and a half up the road now. Well, and, you know, I, I on that particular issue of climate change, I say, okay, I'm not a climate scientist. I'm not a climatologist. Right. I'll accept what people are saying. What I don't buy is that you need the government to have some economic transformation to meet that challenge. No, I see that as just one... It, it's a way of people to make money. They just slide money from one pocket to the other. Uh, well, and it's the new pretense. It's like, oh, we want, we want to feed the hungry. Well, it, actually, over history, the best way to feed the hungry is capitalism. Exactly. If you want to have medical advancements and extend life expectancy capitalism yeah uh, i tend to think free markets people trading people building up wealth and investing in new ways to serve others with goods and services it's the best way to solve our problem right look at look around the world most most countries that you see are really behind the government drives everything on them i mean uh, look at iran for instance they're 
very far behind, but their government controls their everyday life. So if you're there and and you've got a desire to become a millionaire and you've got a great idea, well, first off, you've got to, you know, get through the government BS and, and probably pay a few people off. But even then, in that country, you might not make it. Whereas over here, you have people that come here with nothing in their pocket and you give them enough time, not everybody, but you give the right people enough time and they absolutely make the American dream happen. Well, and uh, there was a very powerful speaker at the conference I went to, um, Magat Wade, I believe is her name. She's from Senegal, if I'm remembering correctly. And she's trying to start up business in Africa, in her home country of Senegal. And she said the problem isn't that we're that different or we lack education or the skills or all this stuff. It's that we're not as free to start a business yep. as other places in the world. And just and she gets very emotional about it. I think, folks, if you go to uh, uh, fee.org and you look at their media section, the documentary about her, her life and what she's trying to do to build business and build opportunity there uh, is out now for the public to see. I got to see it at the conference. Very moving stuff. We it's Things I think we all take for granted. Oh, yeah. Like the idea that, you know... And I, people are privileged, but th- like the story you're telling me that okay, you had a job that did pay the bills, but it's oh. like I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Right, paid the bills, and, and we made a really good living out of it. But you kind of determine, hey, this is a young man's job, and right. uh, I'm getting some age on me, and uh, you know these concrete floors are kind of getting rough on my knees. And you kind of, and, and honestly, you have enough time because you know you are working at a factory, so your mind sometimes has free time to wander. And you think, hey, man, there's a better way. It really is. And there's opportunity out there. Right. And I just, I think we take the opportunity right in front of us for granted, and people don't take the risk uh, to That's go out thing. there. And, and even, I think there are worse things in failing, say, at business. Oh, yeah. Uh, much worse things. And a part of me, what happened, you know, now three years ago, sort of woke me up with my mom mm-hmm. to... Man, that was a miserable time, especially the more removed I get from three years ago. It'll be four years before you know it, and five before you know it. Uh, that that still sticks with me. I remember how miserable I was mm-hmm. and, like, how it was such a mental struggle and a identity crisis in a way. Oh, I'm sure. Um... And so you sort of come out of that and go, well, if I got through that and I continue to grow out of that, why not try pretty much anything? Well, you're, you're, you're right, and I'm glad that you were able to come out of that and say, hey, I want to grow out of that or, or, or learn from this, take some things that I've learned and, and pursue it on with my life. But a lot of people get stuck in a situation and they can't get out of it. And it's right. their, they're, they're in their own jail and their own worst enemy. Uh, they just can't see the light or they don't have the motivation or no one's taken them and said, hey, man, you can do better. No, I, I, it made me think of this, and we don't necessarily have to talk about business, but uh, I can't let you leave this studio before we end the show without mentioning that you, sir, and I mean this in the best way possible, you are a pizza freak. I do love pizza. Uh, like, more than the normal per- Everybody loves pizza, but you really love pizza. Yeah, we used to uh, have a pizza place in Millbrook years ago, uh, and it was a good pizza place. But when you have a business, especially like that, a small business like that, you are married to it. Mm. Uh, so I'm married to my wife, uh, and she's married to the business. My son is also married to the business. So after about six or seven years, someone come in one day and was talking about buying me out. And I, 
I thought that's crazy, and then five minutes later, I'm like, "Hey, man, <laughs> here's an out." And uh, Hyundai, Hyundai happened to be coming to town at the same time. I'd already set up some interviews with them, so I thought, "Hey, w- why not? Why not? Why yeah. not?" But what, what, what's your favorite type of pizza? I go with a simple. Like if I'm trying out a pizza place, yeah. I like to do just a simple pepperoni. My favorite pizza, is, yes, keep it simple when you're ordering uh, from a mom and pop. But I'm a mom and pop pizza kind of guy. That's right. what I had. Uh, now. You know, the big chains are good, but they're not as good as your mom and pop. You know, your mom and pops actually love, and they are, they're married to that business. So your satisfaction to them is more than than any big business, Domino's or whoever else. If you're not satisfied, you know, they'll give your pizza back. They won't lose any sleep over it. I can tell you as a business owner, if you have an unsatisfied customer, I lose sleep over it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, and then it just kind of leads to down the road, you can either better it, better yourself with that or you can let it just make you a miserable person and unfortunately i see where people become miserable about it you know yeah what's the weirdest type of pizza have you ever made uh well i haven't made one but i've seen one i think there's a place in town that sells it with tofu on it tofu tofu and um yeah that just doesn't doesn't bode well with me yeah i'll try most anything once so i'd Probably if I could get past the smell, stinky tofu. I saw that on Andrew Zimmerman. Yeah, or something. I was about to bring oh, him up. Goodness, he eats man. some of the weirdest stuff, but you know, part of me is fascinated by that stuff. Like, I'd try it. I Maybe. don't even know if I could try it because Zimmerman. I remember on that show, he he usually will try everything twice. Well, he took one bite of that stinky tofu, and he's like, "Okay, I, I can't yeah. go back." And it looks like bars of soap. Yeah, he gets some water. And just and that's so crazy. That's part of why I want to go and like really if i travel i'd want to immerse myself live somewhere for several months i mean that's the only like i took french Mm -hmm. all throughout high school took it in college too i even passed the classes wow and i I got into french national honor society out of high school i can't speak a lick of french now (laughs) and so the only way i'm ever going to learn french is to go like fall under the wing of some beautiful french woman and have motivation that's not a bad idea at all i need to be motivated to learn something and to be interested but i mean think it's so interesting to me how different cultures have different palates so to speak oh yeah yes like, you know, American food to some people is too bold, too salty, too, too salty. fatty, too much going on. Yep. And something very simple. Uh, like, it's funny, we talk about Jamaica. When we, we go to this restaurant in Jamaica, it's on the beach. It's got a million-dollar view. And uh, most of the times they cook, it's on two car rims that they've stacked on top of each other, and they cook on that. Wow. And it's as simple as it can be. They cook fish, and they'll even have the head on the fish when they serve it. But it's some of the best food you ever ate. Well, it's hard to be fish right out yeah. of the ocean. It, it, very true. And we'll, we'll go to jerk chicken. That's one of my favorite things Ooh. to eat over there. And many times I've gone over there, and I get to know the people. I'll get behind the counter. They're, everybody in Jamaica is very nice. So I'll get behind the counter to try to learn how to what they're doing. And I tell them, I can't make jerk chicken as good as you. And I can't figure out why. And they'll laugh. They're like, you're in the U.S. You've got everything under the sun at your disposal, and you can't make jerk chicken as good as me. I'm I'm pulling trees out of the woods back here, so I got some wood to burn on. You know, uh, the seasoning is just something that my grandmother taught me how to make. I mean, it's just all basic stuff. But here in the States, I can't replicate it for nothing. Well, and it's, some of that is kind of built in. Not like it's so passed on through generations. And- oh, yeah. Like and, and of course, each new generation sort of they copy the past, but they make little changes. Sure. And I think that's how we either devolve or we progress. But 
there's it's hard to just go hmm how am i going to treat this in a scientific way and recreate it perfectly it usually doesn't work it doesn't well. work it just simply doesn't work though uh, i have to say i do like watching cooking videos or like i you know i've talked about this i'm on this big and folks can't tell it's almost seven o'clock i haven't eaten since this morning mm, joey i'm a bit hungry right yeah. now so i watched these videos on how to cook a perfect steak and i know some people like to grill i like to baste mine in butter that's what i hear you get dan talk about oh it's so good I've it's been really so wanting good. to try it. No, and smash up. Don't even have to cut the garlic. Just take a clove and smash it. And when you throw the butter in, throw in the crushed garlic through a twig of, like, thyme. Yeah, and you just throw it. it in the pan. There's no Mm-mm. fancy making, nothing. It's just in the pan. And it infuses the butter, and oh, the yeah. butter gets real hot, and it cooks the steak on the outside even more, renders down that fat. Oh, Probably what I'm going to do tonight. Now you're making me hungry, Joey. Well, that was the goal. <laughs> and I don't even, I'm not even, like, do, I'm not even selling this. I don't have a steak place. <laughs> like, I just like meat. And actually, the, it's weird. Everything I was taught as a kid in, like, the 90s, it was the whole fat is bad for you, Chris. Oh, yeah. You know, everything we had was low fat. Like, low fat. Low dressing. fat, low flavor. Uh, fake margarine, fake butter. I can't believe it's not butter. Yeah. Let's say, and I've learned no, like real butter, like protein and fat is pretty much what I eat. And I, with working out, I've lost weight. Really? Yeah, like thirty-five pounds. Good Lord, Joey. Yeah, it's nuts. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still amazed. That's why I'm talking about it. Like but, everything I was taught was wrong. Now maybe I need to get blood work done. No, but. but you're, I mean, you're eating good. Oh, yeah. Eating, it's not like you're eating junk food. You're eating good. Exactly. If you're losing weight and, and maintaining your health, I, I think you're doing something right. See, where I go wrong, though, is if I am really tired. Like this moving weekend. Yeah. Oh, it was beer and pizza. We wanted uh, we wanted to come by and give you guys some beer and pizza. I had m- my buddy Marvin in town, and one thing led to another. But I kept telling my wife, I was like, we got to go buy and see Joey and them. If I don't bring him a pizza, I'm going <laughs> to feel very like a fraud. She said, why? I said, because all Joey talks about is how much I love pizza. You so do love pizza. You're do, pizza freak. I do love pizza. And it's, uh, it, it's weird after you're not used to eating that stuff. Like you get, like, I'm, I'll never stop eating pizza. But, like, when you, that becomes the meal pretty much all through yeah. for a weekend, you're like, ooh, I feel, yeah, I don't you feel as good. Right. You It really slows you down. You get sluggish. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, but at the same time, I'll go back again. <laughs> Pizza oh, and Mexican food, I, every other day, I'm at one or the other. There's something also about, like, when, okay, we've got to move this 250-pound desk. Uh, what I'm going to do first, guys, before we do this, I'm going to crack open a beer, chug yep. it, and let's get to it. Yep. And it actually made it easier, but I, I was sore, man. Oh, I bet. Like shoulders, everything. That wasn't yoga. That was real lifting. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, my back was strong though. I got a good core. Got a good back and good core. My weak, arms were what were really killing. Weak me. mind and strong back. That's what people look for when <laughs> when they get ready to hire somebody, Joey. <laughs> he sounds like a good worker. <laughs> right. They'll do what we say. I'm hungry. I got a weak mind and a strong back. Well, come See, on in. Usually in radio, they want a strong mind and a weak back because oh. we sit all day. <laughs> And we just run our mouths. That's true. It's like, oh, they can talk. Oh, it doesn't matter what he looks like. Bring him in. That's right. You got a face for radio. Oh, and everybody thinks I'm, I am a big fat guy. I'm not. No. But, you know, ironically, most DJs I've ever met over time, 
you know, they're they're big guys because they sit in a chair all day. They're right. not very healthy. And used to, you could smoke in your studio. You just smoke cigarettes, drink coffee, and and hang out. Well, and most, of, I mean, Sean Hannity's in pretty good shape. So is Laura Ingram. Rush Limbaugh looks the part. Yes, very much so. Glenn Beck for a while looked the part. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it is, I will say, this is an easy job. It's also a stressful job. It's weird how that is. Like, I am blessed to be able to do this. Uh, but, like, at about this point, when I get to play the music and mm-hmm. the show's over, my brain's like, oh, man, relax. Probably going to, like, watch some professional wrestling or something. Numb out, yeah. Turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb out is the word. That's numb out, baby. Well, Eddie, I uh, appreciate you uh, hanging out with oh, me. Oh, I had a great tonight. time, Joey. Great time. All right. Well, I'd love to have you back. And, uh, folks, I'll be back tomorrow night. Oh, the Skipper's joining me. Oh, We're going to be, be celebrating show. the 50th anniversary of music in 1968. Skipper knows a little something about music. A lot of good stuff out yeah. of that year, too. I was looking over it. I'm excited for that show. Talk to you all then. Yeah.